From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com sums up this fucking week yeah only wednesday <laughs> at least tomorrow's thursday and then it's friday yeah oh thank god for the weekend <laughs> i'm honestly just counting down till next weekend when i have a three-day weekend and i get to play horizon oh yeah That's i exciting. wasn't gonna get it because i was gonna wait because the next week is elden ring but i have a three fucking day weekend and i'm like I want to play games. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. I'm and then I'm getting tattooed at the end of the month. My revenge oh, tattoo really? was at the end of the month. What? What? What are you getting? So what, I, the artist that I'm going to is an artist I actually have wanted to go for this tattoo for years, but her books were never open, and she's in Baltimore, okay. which is like clo- which is like a 40 minute drive from where I live. And she does. Good this- morning, Baltimore. Exactly. Sorry. That's exactly it. Good old John Waters, love in Baltimore. Um. Anyway. She does this style that she does a lot of with especially horror is where it's like a split face and then there's something in the middle. Mm. So like, let me show you a quick picture because 
Oh, we're recording this. That's fine. That's, <laughs> we who, who cares? <laughs> well, now I have to show. Now I have to show you, or I'm gonna be frustrated. Um, so like like this. I can kind of see it's a little blurry, but I can kind of see okay. it. Okay, so here I can, yeah, I'll send it to an Instagram. But basically, what I'm getting okay. is like the outside part is going to be Jen from the beginning of Revenge when she's like all innocent, like looking looking at lolly the lollipop, and then in the middle is going to be her like in her transformed state, like bloodied and dirty. And I'm getting it on my thigh, like a big thigh piece. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! And like. It's the 10th. It's like a, this is very weird timing. It's like the 10th anniversary of when I was like assaulted and broke up with my abusive boyfriend. Um, weird timing, but it's like kind of cool. It it feels like I'm like, it's like a transitional thing. Like, I don't know. It just feels like a cool little cathartic way to just be like, so, so I'm super stoked. Yeah, I'm super stoked. She's so cool. And I've wanted a piece from her forever. So I'm so excited. Is that, will she be able to get it done in one? Attempt oh yeah, she's out. quick as shit. She's really quick. Okay, so she'll be able to do it in a one four-hour session, I think. Hell yeah! But it'll be fine. The th- thigh, thigh, thigh's not that bad. It's not. It sounds like no. it'd be painful. Look, compared to when I was getting my elbow tattoo, well, that okay. I, I feel like I've I've just I've seen God with that. I'm just I'm, I can do anything <laughs> at this point. I've seen God. <laughs> Me and my own mind that's like right above my ankle. I was like ah. <laughs> it's like a little infinity symbol. And I was like, get it over with, get it done with. Is it hurting? It's hurting. <laughs> I'm a baby. Everyone has different pain tolerances. I I don't even fucking. <laughs> You're so kind. <laughs> it's true, though. Some people just like, it hurts. I, no, I was, honestly, I was actually fine with it until there's like a part that's in yellow. And she kept like, I don't know if it was like on a muscle or like right above my bone or something. Oh. And it was just like, that was like, it's right above your ankle. Really started hurting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, you probably hit the bone. The bo- bone's the worst. Like, that's why my elbow hurt. Cause it was just bone. And she's just like going to town on the bones around my elbow. And I'm just like, I am seeing the Lord Jesus Christ in front of me right now. And the worst is when they take like the paper towel and wipe it. It's like sandpaper. Mm. And I'm just like, what? Mm-hmm. Why am I I'm paying someone money to do this to me? I'm so crazy. But it looks great. <laughs> the worst though is the as the elbow pit. This was the one oh. that I thought I was gonna pass. I've never felt like I was gonna pass like out the, from a tattoo. The inside? Yeah, like the inside my part. mole friend. I oh. mm-hmm. when she was shading it in, I was like, I don't I don't think I'm gonna pass out. But I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I was that I mean, was... we could be done. <laughs> I know. I've, like, never felt that way from tattoo, getting a tattoo before. I've never felt, like, close to passing out. But that, I was like, uh-oh. This is miserable. <laughs> so, don't get your elbows tattooed. Or do. Just be warned that it is <laughs> bad. Uh, do we keep this in or we just delete it I all? I think we should keep it in. I think everyone should all hear right. about my tattoos. <laughs> I think and so. on that note, welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we just sort of like shoot the shit because, guys, it has been a fucking week. Uh, I'm Terry. Fucking week. I'm Mary Beth. It's been a motherfucking week. Um. <laughs> we're slap it. I think we're slap happy at this point. We just had like another recording. And just, just at this point. I know. I took a nap at 2 p.m. today. Like <laughs> Terry and Mary Beth unplugged. <laughs> After dark. <laughs> not even 9 p.m. where I am. Um, uh, anyway, I'm Mary Beth, and this week we're talking about an existential horror film. 
<laughs> Leatherface, two ways. And exploding kids, question mark? I mean, I feel like after this week, that, that right there just pretty much sums up the mental state that we are in right now. Yeah, existential dread, Leatherface, and exploding children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What more can you say? <sighs> okay, uh, so let's, I guess let's start with the, I want to hear about this existential dread film. What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Um, so the movie, the existential horror movie that I watched actually today on Wednesday when we were recording this is A Banquet by Ruth Paxton, mm. which is out next week um, from IFC Midnight. But I wanted to talk about it today because one, I haven't been watching a lot. Um, what I've been watching are horrific documentaries um, about 9-11. I don't know why... It, it, here I am. I'm having a if that is any indication of my mental state, and I've been doing it while I'm on edibles, so I don't know what's going on with me. Whoa. Um, uh so <laughs> sorry. No, it's a- it's fucking hysterical. It's terrible. I don't know why. And I've just been on a kick of watching <laughs> fucked up documentaries about 9-11, Fo- and the fox catcher guy, the guy, the wrestling coach, the Olympic wrestling coach oh, who yeah. killed somebody. Yeah. Um Have you seen that movie? By the way, no, I haven't seen the Steve Carell movie. I just watched the documentary. That guy was so mentally ill. But yeah, Steve Steve really likes documentaries, um, and so I've been like, I want to watch them with you. And I was like, choose some fucked up ones. And he's like, Are you sure? And I was like, Yeah. And then he Here did, and go. I was like, No. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but anyway, um, I the banquet go being back to that banquet a banquet so this is a banquet by ruth paxton who is an incredible director um i believe this is her feature film debut but it's incredibly beautiful um the film is about a young woman who stops eating because she claims that her body is now like a vessel for something 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 cosmic Something that's going to bring about the end of the world, essentially. And mm. her mother is trying to deal with this. And her, at the beginning of the film, you see their father dying of cancer. Um, and so there's, like, the trauma of, the, of that death. And then she, the the girl, um, like, thinks she's this vessel. And there's a younger sister and also their grandmother. So there's this three generations of, like, a matriarchy in this movie. And there's a lot of intergenerational trauma going on. It's very much, like, an artsy horror movie about trauma. Like, it, it's it's mm-hmm. it's pretty, like, cut, cut and dry in that aspect. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of following that blueprint that a lot of – that we've seen in a lot of movies. Um, but what I really like about this movie is that um, it portrays – the concepts of eating of disordered eating in a much more nuanced way, instead of it being like, look at this skeletal person and like these ter- like kind of making a spectacle of a person who is encountering disordered eating. Um, they do the opposite and more focus on the mental part of it about like the, if I eat this, what terrible things will happen. Similar to OCD catastrophizing. If like I don't do this one thing, then everything is going to collapse. So I, I liked that aspect of it because it just wasn't trying to sensationalize mental illness, like sensationalize like that kind of mental illness. Um, and it's also beautifully shot. A lot of the film is it's since a lot of, a lot of the film is about eating and food there's a lot of really mm-hmm. beautiful close up shots of food but it's shot in a way that it is both appetizing and disgusting 
Like, it's hard to describe how they do it, but it makes food so – you're so aware of the food, and it's beautiful food. Like, they staged it beautifully because it's a rich family, and, like, you're sh- they're showing off, like, look at the privilege of the food that they can eat. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's disgusting. Um, so it is – it's a short, relatively short, like, slow burn of a movie, and you kind of get a reveal at the end – The usual, like, again, it follows a lot of the same story beats of these movies Mm -hmm. about trauma, but the performances are incredible. I think it handles eating disorders relatively well. Um, I talked to Ruth Paxton, I interviewed her, and actually she herself has experience with disordered eating, so she pulled a lot of her experience both as someone who has an eating disorder and who saw her mom going through a lot of the stuff, like, alongside of her and trying to, like, help her get like help her kind of heal or at least like get to a better place. And so having that context is really cool just because, Mm. you know, she has so much hands-on experience with this kind of relationship and how it affects families. But yeah, so that is like the big one I watched um, this week. So, but what about this Leatherface two ways? (laughs) Okay. So Leather, okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love the first one and I, Really enjoyed the uh, the remake, and I hated the remake's prequel. Um, but I'm not as familiar with like the franchise as a whole. Um, I have seen one and two. Two, I think, is incredible. Uh, mm, I it's I've nowhere near. It's it's completely different from one, but it needs to be. But it's really good. But I had not seen three. I had not seen Next Generation. I think I have seen. Uh, Saw 3D, the the movie that was supposed to be like a, a sequel, direct sequel to the original. I, I guess the I don't. One, is that the one where she's like, "Do it, cuz" or whatever? Do the it, cuz. Like, yeah, there's... that is the only thing I remember from that movie. <laughs> there's a um, Anyway, <laughs> and then I then Leatherface came out, and I didn't, I hadn't seen that one. So I really was like, I ri- originally wanted to just watch um, the ones I hadn't seen, so three, four, and Leatherface. Um, but I just didn't have time, so I focused on the two that are the most divisive, it seems like, because it seems like a lot of people think the three is terrible, and a lot of people either love Next Generation or hate it, mm-hmm. and the same thing about Leatherface. So I watched both. Wait, you said you said is you said three. I saw Tex- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, I saw, and I saw Leatherface. Okay. I was going to watch three. Oh, okay. Sorry. I just I was didn't like, have time. You said two, but I thought three, and what's going on? <laughs> I can't count. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of numbers, a lot of numbers. Um, okay. So, Texas Chainsaw, The Next Generation. Okay. Supposed to be released in 94, was sort of released in 94 or 95, and then was pulled, and then was released in 96 or 97, 97 I believe, starring Renee Zellweger. And Matthew McConaughey, and Matthew McConaughey deep, uh, almost deep throats a shotgun at one point. Good for he him. has a robotic leg of sorts. It's a mechanized leg that is also remote controlled for some bizarre reason. Um, it opens with a narration that is not read by John Larroquette, who did the original one. And they they talk the opening narration talks about these two minor events that happened before, so it, it's sort of like starting the movie off on a more campy note. And in a way, this feels like kind of a remake, but kind of not at the same time. There's a lot going on in this. I think it's it's also trying to be very meta. There's a lot of meta ness, and it's interesting considering that this movie was supposed to come out 
um, around the same time as uh, Scream Ooh. and was probably filmed before Scream. It also tackles some meta narratives in a, in a way that I think is interesting. It's really funny. There's a lot of camp to it. Um, I, it's, it's the, I mean, the plot is, is really simple. A group of teenagers get into a car crash on prom night and then wander into an old farmhouse that is the home to Leatherface and his family of cannibalistic people. And why are we all wandering into these fucking <sighs> anyway, but like it, it hits a lot of the same plot points. So there's the one more, um, I mean, I guess we could say passing member of the family that is in this case, Darla, who is running a, um, a, a, um, a rental, like she rents things. She's like a property manager, I think, or something or retail or, I don't know. I think she's, what are they called? Why can't I think of the name? People that sell houses. A, re- a real estate agent? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> y- y'all, my, my washing machine is spurting water in my basement. I am, I'm having a day. Um, yes. So she is a real estate agent and they run to her and she's like, oh, let me call my, 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 let me call someone that will take care of your car. And she calls Matthew McConaughey, who is actually her lover, and it becomes like with his, ro- with his robot leg. <laughs> with his robot leg, uh, it kind of, kind of a recreation of the original one in some ways. Like it, it's definitely kind of taking that, but it also kind of pokes fun at it because there's a dinner scene in which instead of eating like uh, body parts, they're eating pizza. And Renee Zellweger like literally tells the family to shut up and tells Leatherface to sit down and be quiet. She's like, everyone sit the fuck down. And then she says, shut up to Leatherface because he's like making his, you know, uh, vocalizations. Uh, But here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to be controversial yet brave. Wow. I'm so excited. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation walked so that martyrs could run. Mary Beth is looking so confused at me right now. I mean, I respect this. I respect this assessment. But what? Because, okay. <laughs> like, there is a there is a subplot. The whole reason this is all happening, it is revealed. Some man in a limo drives up. And I'm sorry if I'm ruining a movie from however many 30 years ago. A man in a limo drives up. And he apologizes to the woman because this... The, it, 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 a secret society has hired Leatherface and his family to torment and kill people to bring them to a spiritual experience, to a transcendence, and it fails. And so he's apologizing to her that this experiment in finding transcendence through pain and violence and torture and death is a failed experiment, and he lets her go. And drops her off at a at a at a hospital. That is exactly what happens in Martyrs, except for the hospital part. Yeah, well, except for the ending. I mean, the ending in Martyrs is a little bit more of a downer. But secret society transcendence through death and violence and torture, finding out that it was all for nothing. Yeah, okay, that's incredible. I will be. I now I really want to watch it because if there's that, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, you know and. People on Twitter have very strong opinions about this movie because let me tell you, you the moment think. I <laughs> the moment I put up that I was watching this, the number of people that are like, "This is the best movie ever," to "This movie is shit," to "This movie is fucking sucks," to "I'm sorry you're watching this movie," to "This movie is a camp classic," to the responses to this movie that I watched, I'm like, 
What? Wow. And the other one is just a minor footnote. I watched Leatherface. I hadn't seen it. Came out in 2017. Directed by the the duo. Yeah, the duo that did Inside. Cool. Okay. I love them. Yeah. A prequel to the original movie. Another prequel to the original movie. Is it like the origin story of Leatherface? The origin story of Leatherface, of of Jedediah. Yes. And it starts off with him as a... (laughs) (laughs) It starts off with him as a kid. His mom is Lily Taylor. Of the Conjuring fame. Yeah. Oh. Everyone, you couldn't see my face, but it was one of shock. <laughs> I was really surprised when she showed up on the screen. I was like, Lily Taylor, what are you doing in this movie? It opens an opening scene, trying to get her to kill someone with a chainsaw. He can't do it. Cops come because she ends up killing someone related to the cop who's played by Stephen Dorff. Hottie alert from the 90s. And so because to be spiteful, because they took her family, took his his child, he takes all of her children away and puts Jedediah in a mental institution. And through narrative contrivance, they change his name in the mental institution to break him from his family. So he is one of three people that end up escaping from the mental institution and go and kidnap a a nurse and go on like a a rampage to get to uh, to Mexico. This movie is also divisive. A lot of people really hate it. Some people really like it. Um, I think it's better than it has any right to be. Uh, I don't think... So there's like a mystery. Because like the, the whole poll is, is that which one of them, because no one knows, not the audience doesn't know which one of these three people is is uh, Leatherface. And I mean, one of the guys is this big hulking guy. And so, of course, people are going to immediately think of him as being Leatherface. And of course, the reveal of who it is is very unsurprising by the turn of the end of the movie. It's gory. It, like a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, it says ACAB. Um, there's like a lot of really kind of fun moments in it. Uh, it's not egregious. It looks beautiful. It's shot beautifully. Produced by Toby Hooper, the last thing I think that he's attached to before he passed away. Uh, not terrible. Enjoyed it. Didn't they I think it's better it, than a lot of people said. Didn't they call it Leatherface so they couldn't get, they didn't have the rights to Texas Chainsaw Massacre or whatever, so they just called it Leatherface? Possibly. There was I'm like not sure. something weird about it. Like, they couldn't get the rights to the actual title of the movie. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. I'm curious about it because I love them. Like, they, they are hit or miss for some of their movies, but, like, mm-hmm. they know how to do I mean, more. <laughs> they do. And it's it's this one is beautifully shot. Like, it, it is a beautiful, it's a beautiful looking movie. Cool. Uh, they really use sunlight really effectively in this movie. Oh, sweet. Which okay. is weird to see in a horror film. Awesome. I really liked it. I don't have a whole lot to say about it because uh, Next Generation was the one that like <laughs> just like blew my mind at how wild it was. But not as bad as people seem to think it was. Cool. Yeah. Leading up to Texas Chainsaw release next week, which we will most likely talk about on the next Little Cuts. I will be talking about it. I'm hoping to be talking about it. So leave it at that for now. But from that to um, exploding kids, exploding kids. Yes, Terry, <laughs> what movie did we watch for our uh, folk horror <sighs> segment? We watched a wild movie from 1983 called Eyes of Fire, which is about a preacher who is accused of adultery. And so he and his followers are chased out of town. And they are become stranded in an isolated forest, which is haunted. It says it's haunted by the spirits of long-dead Native Americans. I'm not 100% sure on that last point. But they are kind of forced into this forest because it's like a sanctuary from the Shawnee who are circling the area and won't enter this place. 
And they enter it and find bad. exploding kids. Bad. They find bad. It's got a very similar premise to The Witch, which is why Terry picked this one. Mm. Someone tweeted that this was kind of like, if you like The Witch, you'll like this. And it definitely, it again, like as even in the plot synopsis, like very much hits similar beats to The Witch of getting run out of mm-hmm. town, ending up somewhere, and it just kind of uh, exploding as time goes on. But this one is much weirder than The Witch. Boy, is it really weird. But I loved it. Did you? Okay, I was curious. I, I mean, I, I kind I, of, I thought I got that from a little bit from your text messages, but I was curious. I loved it because it's so fucking weird. And like, I think mm-hmm. this is a movie pretty ahead of its time in terms of how it's tackling witchcraft and like this kind of mm. abstractness, abs- like abstraction around witchcraft and making it something a little bit different than what we usually see and tapping into like folk horror and witchcraft. And I really love like, uh, what the fuck is her name? The main witch, witch girl who has like Leah, Leah has like big curly red hair. And she's, they say she's a witch. It's pretty obvious. Like they don't even try to be like, Oh, she might not be a witch. Like this, this woman is full on like some kind of witch. She speaks in tongues. Like everyone's like, she's a fairy. Like she burns the noose and saves the, the reverend in the very opening scene. Yeah. Like, She's incredible. And, like, I love that. They're just like, oh, no, she's a fucking witch. And I'm like, yeah, bitch. Mm. Like, good for you. And she's, like, unabashedly <laughs> you go. a witch. Yeah, exactly. Unabashedly a witch. And she's the whole reason they live as long as they do. Because she runs around mm-hmm. eating dirt. And it's just like, I know how to save everybody. And I just, I loved her character. I thought she was incredible. I was like, this is a bad bitch. And I love her. Like, the imagery is haunting, like the faces in the trees and the mm, people covered mm-hmm. in like muck who come out and run and like do and like ransack everything and then come back. And like, it's so it leans so hard into it. It's not trying to be like something's in someone's head. This is much very much like there is something fucked up here, which is great, which like you know, in a lot of time, in a lot of like contemporary movies, it's a lot of playing with like, is this real or not? And this movie was full out like, no, 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 this is real. No, and there's, there's a witch witch queen devil demon going on in the woods and she's after us and her design is incredible like it's it's kind of terrible like if you think about it too hard like it's not great but it's also incredible that they just have a like a de like a witch demon like they just made a witch demon and she's gross and excretes weird sap and is just like trying to steal children and people to put them in trees with her and she's incredible and i don't know that's I just thought it was great. It's weird as shit. It's very 80s at points in a way that I wish wasn't, but that's okay. Um, Yeah, what did you think? I had a very weird time watching this in the very beginning because when you go to school in like the 80s and early 90s, I don't know if this continued on to when you were in school, but they would show a lot of like, I don't know, Life on the Prairie type movies. And this movie feels like it's shot like one in the in the initial part where it's like it feels like the American frontier is like <laughs> <laughs> seriously it reminds me of like I was watching Little House on the Prairie vibes if that family were into a witchery adultery and surreal imagery like that is the vibe that this the opening part of this gave me and it was like it took me back to being in the classroom and watching this sort of like prairie kind of docu recreation things that they would do where like people are wearing really bad clothes that are supposed to be like of that time period and that look like they were just sewn the other day by like props you know what i mean so it was like it had that that kind of vibe in the beginning but then once we finally get to like the the creepy area and there's the trees with faces in them which i thought was really well done and then there's like 
when we get into the third act, there's so much surreal imagery and haunting imagery. And the the tone of this, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, Mary Beth, but the this movie feels like it has all the trappings of what would define indie horror of the 2010s, pretty much. In, in a lot of ways, in terms of like the kind of surrealness, the kind of like um, the things that it's discussing, it might be be inelegantly discussing it. Like I, I did like that this that this place is pooling the innocent blood pools in the earth and joins with the innocent blood until the souls of the swallowed creatures gather together into a spirit. Like the idea that this foundation is based on the fact that people have been slaughtered on this country and we have taken like people that are innocent and it's that kind of revenge coming back up of like. The, the idea that we are, you know, creating genocide on like Native American populations. Like, I think that there's some of that kind of stuff in here. I don't think it is elegantly discussed a hundred percent, but like there's stuff in here that I think is really interesting. I love that the Reverend who's a complete and utter dolt and an asshole is like, once this little girl comes to the camp, she's like, they have given up this precious girl to the Lord's kingdom. We must, you know, take this noble savage. And I'm using that in quotations because that's kind of what he calls them and, and bring them to, you know, to the, the light of Christianity and no bitch, y'all are going to die. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a, a kid, a demon child. And that child is going to steal your children and turn red <laughs> and then explode. Explode explode and we're not talking like her body's explode it's like all of a sudden we're shot to like a car exploding is what it looks like and this is like they're getting so the camp is getting attacked by the spirit the the people who are trapped and they they start shooting at them which you know you do and every time they get shot they fucking explode as if it's dynamite it's incredible. It's like, what in the hell? But it's, I, I kind of love that though, because, you know, it's not just like, oh, they fade away. It's like, oh no, you're, the thing that you are doing is, is horrendous. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like, look, I know it's silly. Like it is, it is very mm-hmm. silly, but it's, I like that they went that direction because it, it has a bigger, it has a huge impact. So it's, it's not just yeah. like they're killing something random, but like there is a really tangible consequence to when you kill one of these things. Like it's not. Which I think, again, inelegantly goes along with what they're trying to say about genocide and the way that innocent mm-hmm. people are killed. Because, you know, I know they're stealing people, but there, there is these people were initially innocent. It's an interesting choice. Again, silly, but effective in a way that I enjoy. Because why the fuck not? Why wouldn't they explode? <laughs> why wouldn't they? Like, well, he, and, and... he shoots the cannon and then it just collapses and then it's this huge explosion. And I'm just like... All it's right. jarring the first time it happens like what the fuck did i just see are we in a different movie now are we going to war like <laughs> but it's also like kind of going along with that i mean our protagonists aren't necessarily the best of people i you know they he yes he is stealing the wives and he is ha- and he is being an adulterer but then when he gets freed he literally locks up the town and steals from them it's like <laughs> He's like saying like, oh, you know, I, I hate that we're doing this, but, you know, we got we got it. And so they literally ransack the town and, and take off with all their stuff. So, like, the fact that these characters aren't exactly the holiest of holy with with with, you know, God's teaching and I'm using again that in quotes coming into this place and where like the innocent blood have really been persecuted and destroyed, I think is an interesting thing for a movie that was made in 1983 well and also the woman is making out with a preacher like on the their rafts that they're floating down the river in like they're mm-hmm. just openly 
smacking. And then her husband comes and joins them. Yeah, and she's like, you're not my husband. And I was like, all right, I mean, good for you. <laughs> you do but, you, boo. Yeah, you do you, boo. But yeah, it's it's so strange. But again, like, it's 100% a predecessor to, like, the kind of indie horror, weird, witchy movies that we got a lot of in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, it's it's bizarre. It's great. And I think it's definitely worth more attention and, and more checking out for the influences it's definitely had on what is popular today. Because I, I guarantee you that movie did not show well when <laughs> it first came out. People were probably like, what the fuck? So <laughs> it's on Shutter to watch. Mm-hmm. It's not even an hour and a half long. So give it a shot. It's yeah. Fuck it. It's a fucking trip, but it's a it's good. Absolutely. So Terry, what movie are we talking about next week? Okay, so we're gonna get a little weird, and I've apparently seen this movie before, um, and I I for, kind of forgot that I had saw it until Mary Beth found my uh, review on on Letterbox. But we are going over to Italy to watch Dark Waters. Very excited. Yeah, very, I think it's excited. a little Lovecraftian from what I'm hearing, or cosmic horror ish, or weird folky but yeah it's also a playing on shutter it's also if you got the uh that bo- huge box at a full core it's one of the movies in there so regardless you if you remember shutter or whatever you should be able to watch it along with us hell yeah but who are we talking to on monday mary beth so on monday we are chatting with director jonathan cuartas whose debut feature film my heart can't beat unless you tell it to is rotten tomatoes highest rated horror movie of 2021 and on my personal list of best horror movies of 2021 and you can watch it on shutter before our episode on monday and mm-hmm. he brought with him not a movie, but the miniseries <laughs> Storm of the Century. So very yep. exciting, very exciting chat. Lots of fun talks about a four hour long movie. <laughs> yeah. Slash miniseries. Uh yeah. Stephen King, nineteen ninety nine miniseries. What more do you, what more do you need to know? Yeah, I feel like that tells you everything. <laughs> tells it you really everything does. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not readily available. I think there might be a DVD you can still order like maybe used from places but it is streaming on youtube so if you do want to uh watch along with us you got four hours you got a mini series but you know what i did realize though mary beth what with this recording we have talked to three of the five of the highest rated movies of last year the directors of hair toss because we talked to jonathan we talked to natasha kermani for lucky and also um slacks oh awesome Um, yeah, oh. those are in the, in the top five movies. Elsa Kephart of um, Slacks. Those are know. three of the five highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes movies of 2021. And we've talked to them. So. Look at us. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right, listeners, well, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch one of the movies that we watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for a full horror movie for us to talk about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm McGeely Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And if you want to get a found footage recommendation from Mary Beth, please give us a review. And even if you don't, please give us a rating and review and make sure you are subscribed. We will call you out on the show and Mary Beth will give you a recommendation. She I don't will. know what could be better. Exactly. Guys, come on. I got a weird encyclopedic knowledge of this shit. Get mm. some shit from me. Um, 
But thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.